remember how the apostle James stood up and said this, Peter hath declared of God at the first did visit the Gentiles to take out of them a people for his name. And to this agree the words of the prophet. And he's quoting now from Amos chapter 9. As it is written, after this I will return and will build again the tabernacle of David which has fallen down and I will build again the ruins thereof and I will set it up that the rest of men might seek after the Lord and all the Gentiles upon whom my name is called saith the Lord who doeth all these things. Known unto God are all his works from the beginning of the world. From the book of Ephesians chapter 2 verse 7 that in the ages to come he's going to show forth the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us by Christ Jesus. And I want to emphasize the fact and when God is through gathering out a people for his name, then God begins to deal with the nations. Welcome to the Unchanging Word Radio Bible Study. Our teacher is Dr. John G. Mitchell, a man who was faithful in teaching the Word of God for more than 60 years throughout the Northwest. The name of our study, The Unchanging Word, highlights the fact that God's Word has not changed. What God reveals in His written Word was true in the past, is still true today, and will be true tomorrow. The truth in God's Word was, is, and always will be true. God never changes. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Life begins at Calvary, there my Savior died. He took my place and by His grace came with me to abide. All I need for living is mine by just believing. Life begins at Calvary. Acts chapter 15 verses 14 through 19 will be the starting point for our lesson today and at this time in history. God is now calling out a people, individual by individual from out among the Gentile nations to be saved by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And these will be included in the church by the baptism of the Holy Spirit into the body of Christ. Now this time period for this salvation of individuals is from the resurrection of Jesus until he comes from heaven for his church, his body. Let's join Dr. Mitchell as he shows how the Bible speaks of the coming of Christ for his own in these last days. You're listening to The Unchanging Word, Bible Broadcast. We continue our studies uh, in dealing with the question of the predictions of the Word of God concerning three great groups that are in the world today. For the human race, according to Corinthians 10, is divided up into Jews, Gentiles, and the Church of Jesus Christ. It's well known that, that the Lord Jesus Christ is doing today a job of gathering together a people for his name. We were quoting to you, or reading to you in our last lesson, that... Uh, digest of prophecy, which I'm going to take the time to read again, so that those of you who did not hear the last message will, will follow along with us, where in the first council at Jerusalem, you remember how the apostle James stood up and said this, Peter hath declared how God at the first did visit the Gentiles to take out of them a people for his name. 
And to this agree the words of the prophet. And he's quoting now from Amos chapter 9. As it is written, After this I will return, and will build again the tabernacle of David which has fallen down, and I will build again the ruins thereof, and I will set it up, that the rest of men might seek after the Lord, and all the Gentiles upon whom my name is called, saith the Lord, who doeth all these things. Known unto God are all his works from the beginning of the world. Now, may I say briefly, in our last lesson, we were dealing with the fact that God has a purpose for both Jew, Gentile, and the church of God. And there is hope for all three. One could spend time, which I will, of course, on what is the hope of the church? What is the hope for Israel? Is there any hope for the nations? And we spoke of the fact that God has a purpose and a program for all three, and nothing can stop the purpose of God being fulfilled in spite of what men say today. And I'm well aware of the fact that there are religious leaders, so-called Christian leaders, who declare that we don't need the Word of God. We don't need the Savior. In other words, we're coming to a place where a great many of the philosophies of men today uh, are atheistic and they're humanistic. Now, when you come to the Word of God, we find there is hope for the believer, for creation, for the animal creation. There's no hope for the unbeliever. Remember that. There's no hope as Paul could say in Thessalonians, for we do not sorrow as the rest which have no hope. Then we spoke of the fact that the Bible speaks of ages past, speaks of the present age, it speaks of the ages to come. Uh, we read of the last days, the last days for the church, the last days for Israel, the last days for the nations. This is in the Word of God. We read of the day of Christ, the day of the Lord, and the day of God. Three different periods of time. And we were discussing this question in closing on our last lesson, that God today is gathering out a people for his name, not made up of nations, but made up of individuals. And I want to emphasize this fact that God today is not dealing with nations as such. He is dealing with individuals. Now, when I make that statement, uh, that's just a broad statement. I'm well aware of the fact that God knows what nations are doing, and I know that God has a plan and a purpose, and that he'll carry out that purpose. He may use nations to do it, but today God is dealing primarily with the individual. It makes no difference who the person is. I repeat that. It makes no difference who the person is. Whatever their color, whatever their tongue, whatever their culture, whatever their country, God today is gathering out people for his name. And when a person really accepts the Lord Jesus Christ, he becomes a member of the church of Christ, of the body of Christ, which is a called-out company. And God, through this church, the purpose of it is that he might display his grace and his wisdom through eternity. Now, you have that, of course, and allow me to requote those two verses those two or three verses from the book of Ephesians, chapter 2, verse 7, that in the ages to come, he's going to show forth the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us 
by Christ Jesus. And then in Ephesians chapter 3, about verses uh, 9 through 11, where you remember the church was a mystery hidden in God, and that to all created intelligences, God is going to show forth his wisdom through the church. You see, we have a very important place in the program of God. But I want to emphasize the fact that when God is through gathering out a people for his name, then God begins to deal with the nations. You, you take our, for example, we who love the Savior. What is our job? We're to witness to individuals. We do not witness to the nations as such. You say, well, the nation is made up of individuals. Yes, but it's the individual which we must reach. Our Lord could say in Acts chapter 1, the 8th verse, the Spirit of God shall come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, the uttermost parts of the earth. We're dealing with individuals. I'm well aware of that there are some who say they're not interested in individuals. They want, they're talking about the mass. Uh, reach the people, the mass of people. My friend, you can't reach the people without the individual. And whatever men think is neither here nor there. God wants us to bear testimony. And he's gathering out a people for his name called the church. Now, just one more thing before I go into the last days concerning the church, and I'm going to do that. And that is this. Remember, the church is not Israel, and it's not a nation. I know there are those who claim that the church is spiritual Israel. I want to make that very, very clear to your mind. The church is not spiritual Israel. Israel is Israel. When you read your prophets, you'll find the judgments of God coming upon the nation Israel. No question about that. But he also makes wonderful promises and prophesies things concerning the godly remnant in Israel. And down through the centuries, God has had a godly remnant in Israel. You take Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Hosea, even you go down to Zechariah and Malachi. All through the prophets, you will notice, for example, let me give you an illustration of what I mean. In Isaiah chapter 28, I read that the people of Israel make a covenant with death. With hell, they are in agreement. They've made lies their refuge, and they hide themselves under falsehood. But listen to another verse in chapter 26, when he said, Come, my people, enter within your closets until the indignation is past. God is going to come and deal with the nations in his wrath. But he says to the godly remnant, come. This is not the church. This is not the church. You don't find the church in the Old Testament. Ephesians chapter 3 declares, it was a mystery hidden in God from past generations and now made manifest through his holy apostles and prophets. Not Old Testament prophets, New Testament prophets. I'm just very clean your mind. So when I'm speaking about the church, I'm speaking about something that was not known in the Old Testament. Now, I'm not saying there were no saints in the Old Testament. Again, we come down to another question. Are all saints in the Bible the same? Of course they're not. You've got those who knew the Lord before the flood. There were those who knew the Lord between the flood 
and Abraham, between Abraham and Moses, between Moses and, and the coming of the Savior, between the resurrection of the Lord until his return. Then you've got those who are saved in the Great Tribulation period. They have those who are saved in the Canaan period. And these are, these are saints. They're saved. They have life eternal. But this union with Christ in this special relationship with the Savior, this is what God is doing today, and it's called the church. As Ephesians 1 says, that we are the fullness of him that filleth all and in all. And I believe I'm dealing with a, a basic fact. There are, I, I've received letters, for example, from, from some who disagree with what I have been saying with respect to the prophetic picture. Well, I expect that. But the basic trouble is not in the field of prophecy. The basic trouble, the basic difference is what is the church. There are those who believe the church started with Adam. There are those who believe the church started with Abraham. And there are those who believe the church started on the day of Pentecost when the Spirit of God baptized believers into the body of Christ. And this is where I stand. I'm not having any argument with you. Uh, you believe what you want to. But I'm just stating, as far as I know my Bible, the moment a person in this generation sense the resurrection of Christ until the Lord returns, every individual who receives the Savior becomes a member of the body of Christ. They're baptized by the Spirit into the body of Christ. This means union with Christ. And it's through this company that God is going to display his grace through eternity. It's through this company he's going to teach and reveal his wisdom to all created intelligences in heaven and earth, wherever they may be in the universe. In other words, the church is a, is a particular, distinct company of people. Between the resurrection and exaltation of our Savior until he returns to translate the church. And when the church is translated to be with the Lord, then he begins to deal with the nations and with Israel. We'll say more of that later. But I want this thing very clear. If, if you take the basis that the church is made up of individuals today who come to know the Savior from the resurrection of Christ until the Lord comes for his own. I repeat it, God is dealing just with one thing today. He's gathering out a people for his name he joins them to himself. He indwells them by his Spirit. He baptizes them into the body of Christ. Unless someone might say, well, all saints, even to the Old Testament, are in the church. Well, how did they get into the church? Our Lord in Acts chapter 1 says very, very clearly, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days hence. I'm not going to spend the time uh, to take up all that is said concerning the church. I'm after it with one thing. What is God doing today? I'm dealing with the purpose of God. What's he doing? He's taking sinners and he's transforming them into saints. He's taking sinners and redeeming them, uh, giving them life eternal, bringing them into a special relationship and adopts them into his family as his sons and his heirs. As the apostle Paul could write to the Roman church, uh, joint heirs with Jesus Christ. That we have an inheritance in him, incorruptible, undefiled, that fadeth not away. It's reserved in heaven until the coming of the Lord. He reserves us for the inheritance, and he reserves the inheritance 
for us. This is the church, the body of Christ. The complement, if I can use that term, we are the complement of Christ. Now, in the Bible, it talks about certain things that will characterize the church in the last days. Now, when I speak of the last days for the church, I mean the last days the church is on earth till her Lord comes. And we have good reason to believe that we are living in the last days and that some of the scriptures which I'm going to read to you is apropos today as never before. And not only so, the more I see the condition of the nations, when I see the regathering of Israel after 2,500 years for the first time having their own government, and I read my Bible of how God's going to regather them and so on and so forth, I lift up my head because my redemption and the redemption of every one of his people is at hand. And when I speak of the redemption, I'm talking about the redemption of the body. When we accepted the Savior, we were redeemed. We were purchased in order to be set free from sin, from its penalty, from its curse. And the day is going to come. We're going to be delivered from the very presence of sin, as we shall see uh, in, as we follow our study. Now, let me just divide it up very simply so we can all understand it. I'm talking now about the last days of the church, exclusively the church. And there's going to be a certain condition in the church just before our Lord comes. Now, I repeat it, when I see these things today in the professing church of Christ, you and I who love the Savior can lift up our heads because our redemption draweth nigh. First of all, may I suggest the leaders of the church. Let me just talk for a few moments about the leaders of the church in the last days. I'm quoting or reading from 1 Timothy chapter 4, the first couple of verses. Listen to what it says. The, spe the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the last days or the latter times some shall depart from the faith or shall apostatize. They shall give heed to seducing spirits and to the doctrines of demons speaking lies in hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron, and so on. Now, mark it. These are those that shall be an apostasy, uh, a departing from the faith, and they shall give heed to seducing spirits and to doctrines of demons. Let me read from the, the fourth chapter of Second Timothy, where Paul says in the second verse, Preach the word. The instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and doctrine. Why? For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own heart lusts will they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. They shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. Now you have the same thing in Second Peter chapter 2. Verse 1, where we read, uh, there were false prophets among the people, and there shall be false teachers among you who shall bring in damnable heresies, denying even the Lord that bought them, and shall bring upon themselves swift destruction. Now, you'll notice, having turned from the truth of God, they give heed to seducing spirits and to the doctrines of demons, and they will heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. They'll depart from the faith. 
And I want to say to you very bluntly, with all the tens of thousands of so-called Christian churches in America, and I say this kindly, I sit, my friend, with a very, very heavy heart that tens of thousands of God's people go to church and never, never, never get the word of God. Christ is never exalted. And they listen to smooth speeches for the purpose of deceiving the very people of God. Do you remember in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 13 to 15, where Paul warns the Corinthian church concerning these false teachers. They will come as ministers of righteousness. What for? To deceive the very elect. And he says, don't marvel at this, for Satan himself comes as an angel of light. What for? For the purpose of deception. You take the third chapter of Second Peter. This know also, in the last days shall come scoffers, saying, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning, and so on. Of this they are willingly ignorant, and so on. You have that in, in 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 3 to 5. And then you have it also in the book of Jude, the fourth verse, where in the last days, speaking of those among God's people who will deny our Lord as the only master, they will deny the Lord Jesus Christ as the only master. They put him down on a level with a man, and sometimes less than that. And Sometimes I confess to you, when I read some of the things which I would not read over this radio, things that are so blasphemous, and people are bold enough, and they declare in the name of religion, and sometimes the name of Christianity, some of the most corrupt things, idolatrous things, devilish things that you wouldn't even believe. Now look at Revelation chapter 3, verse 17, when it comes to Laodicea in church. Uh, it is the church of the last days. They don't need the Lord. They do not need the Spirit. They do not need the Word of God. They're sufficient unto themselves. They make their boast, I am rich. I am increased with goods. I have need of nothing. No, they don't even need the Lord. Now, one could go on with respect to these leaders. Now, next lesson, we'll talk about their doctrine, about their life. But I want you to get the, the thing very clear in your mind that we are living in the day of which the Apostle Paul and the Apostle Peter wrote. We are living in days when men have turned their backs on the Word of God, upon the person of our Savior, and they're doing it in the name of religion. And we see an increase of men giving heed to seducing spirits and to doctrines of demons. Even the worshiping of Satan now is becoming more and more prevalent in our country. We are living in the last days of the church. Do you know the Savior? Do you know where you are? Do you know what you believe? Do you know whom you believe? May God grant that you've been brought into right relationship with Jesus Christ, God's blessed Son. We do want to thank you for your support for this ministry, both in prayer and contributions. The Unchanging Word Bible broadcast has experienced a shortfall in giving, and we do not often express our need. We do trust the Lord to bring in the support as He wills. We do make this urgent appeal at this time. Would you be so kind as to ask the Lord in prayer how you can help? 
and we do want to thank you for your continued support. God bless you. I see his blessed face above. No one ever cared for me like Jesus. There's no Thank you for listening to the Unchanging Word Radio Bible Study today. Write to us with your comments and your prayer requests to the Unchanging Word, P.O. Box 398, Dallas, Oregon, 97338. And so until next time, this is the Unchanging Word Radio Broadcast. Life begins at Calvary.